Now, some questions are a little more easier than others. Fair? Paper or plastic? I can make up my mind. Right? Um, what else? Chocolate or anything else? Easy, right? Um, curly fries or straight fries? You know, you know. Will you be my valentine? Right? Just fairly simple questions that you can answer. Right? You think, well, do I really want that person to be my, my valentine? Or, or which of these two are going to add to my cholesterol the least? I can make this out. And you can figure out these answers fairly easy. Give you another question. Life or death? Which would you rather have? Most of us on most days, <laughs> most days would probably want to choose life. Now that's kind of the question that the people of Israel have put before them. You see, the land that God had promised them is so in fact, it had always been real close, but they were getting to a point where they were actually getting ready to be there, to be where God had said they would be. And now Moses, if you remember, as their leader, realizes that he can't make the rest of the journey with them. He will not be joining them in the promised land. And so we have sort of this farewell speech, if you will, and that's not a great illustration, but you get the idea that we're almost there, where I'm almost done, but before I go, let me say something. And we have three of these speeches in Scripture, the one that we read today from Deuteronomy 30 being the third and final one. And it would seem that as Moses, God is speaking through Moses, the question is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And now you know at least some, you have an idea probably of the history of the people of Israel, at least as it concerns Scripture, right? You know about some of their experiences with God. Uh, you know about some of the things they've done or some of the things they have not done. You, you're probably familiar with some of the ways that they have turned their back on God, some of the ways that in, in some manner they have disowned God. So imagine then, with all that history, being at a point where God says, okay, right now, you can choose life, You can choose life and, in a way, get past and move beyond all of that old baggage, that old history. Or you can continue to live into it. Seems like a pretty straightforward question. Life or death? Which do you choose? Which would you choose in their position? I'm thinking life. I don't know about any of you. Life still seems like a, a good answer to me. Now, no matter what you decide to answer, if you haven't figured it out yet, I think this question brings us to a great misconception that so many of us have. When we think about what God is saying in this passage, it's important to realize what God's saying and what God is not saying. God says, if you have it open, you can see that I'm not lying. It, it's right there in verse 15 of chapter 30 of Deuteronomy. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity. 
death and adversity. On the one hand, we have life and prosperity. Now, that word and that concept of prosperity, um, it's kind of changed for us. And it's certainly in religious terms and uh, when it has to do with faith, some of us look at it in a negative way. Because usually prosperity for us today means more money, better cars, bigger houses, nice watches, a fortune. But think about living in the ancient world. Is that what's on their mind? Not necessarily. You see, uh, life for them meant protection from their enemies. Having a place where they could be without having to worry about someone coming in and invading them, taking their lives, taking anything they have. And, and having life and prosperity meant having what they need to live. Food, shelter, water, so on and so forth. So God says, I have on my, and here in this one hand, we have life and prosperity. God is saying in some way that my ways are different. See, you already know death. Each time, my children, each time you turned away from me, each time you decided to do your own thing, think about where that got you. Since the beginning, as the story goes, take it all the way back to Adam and Eve as that story is put out to us. Adam and Eve are doing quite fine there in that garden garden, until they decided to do their own thing and they experienced death. Now, they didn't physically die, did they? But they were separated from God. They experienced separation. And God is kind of in the way maybe saying that when we don't choose life, we choose separation from God, and there's no way that we can know the life that God wants us to have. See, the misconception that so many of us have is that God makes us stumble. Or leads us to death. We have this spell checker image of God. You know what I'm talking about? Who who does a lot of typing or some type? Maybe you do email or something, right? And you know, you're typing away, you're going, and as you're typing, you come across, you see a word that's got that little red squiggly line. What does that mean? It means you messed up. means you can't spell right or you're typing too fast. And some people have that image about God that God is just waiting. Oh, come on, I want you to mess up so I can put that little red squiggly line under you. That's not what God wants to do. I don't even think God has a computer. Why would God want to do that? God is not trying to lead us to death. God does not want us to have death. God is not saying, some people interpret that as God is saying, look, You can have the life I have here, or you can take the death I'm going to give you. And friends, I have a problem with that interpretation. That is not what God is saying. Life is following my way. Following the things that I have set before you. Following them not because you need something to do. Following not thinking them as rules, but as a way of life. God does not want us to stumble. God does not want us to lead to death. What God wants us to have is life. In verse 19, 
God doesn't really make the decision for the people, but in a way you can kind of see, maybe hear in your mind, you know, I'm not telling you what to do, but let me show you what would be the smart thing to do. This is what God says. I have, what am I at? I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. See, God sort of lays out the simple answer. Choose life. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. Trust me. Choose life. Now, some of us, like the Israelites, know all too well what happens when we turn our backs on God. We know what death and separation from God looks like. But friends, can I give you the charge and can I remind all of us the charge we have to choose life so that we can then live into the life that God has for us. We can then recognize the life that God is creating in each one of us. We can recognize when we choose life that God's ways are different and just the same, just the same way God's ways are different, we can be different too. We can be the people God wants us to be when we choose life. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting there and somebody's telling me, hey, you can choose life and you can live or you can follow death, and, well, you know what happens when you do that. I'm thinking in my mind, okay, sign me up. What do I got to do for this life stuff? Now, in that small passage we read from Deuteronomy, we have, there are things it says to do. But this is what I want you to realize. We talk about the things to do all the time. But it starts with something very important. It says it two times in verse 16 and 20. And I want to read both of them to you if you don't have it in front of you. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, comma, by loving the Lord your God. Choosing life begins by loving God. Again in verse 20. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, comma, loving the Lord your God. Choosing life begins by choosing love. God's love. Now, some of you who might be paying attention think, well, hold on, John, your little sermon series deal, you know, for the love of God and everything, we're supposed to be talking about loving our neighbors. Now you got us talking about loving God. Well, let me say that for you this way. The first two weeks we talked directly about loving God, didn't we? And there's this strange relationship. We, We sort of concluded on both Sundays, how about that, that the way we love God is by loving each other. And today we see this this relationship just the same, that the way that we love our neighbors, no matter whom our neighbors may be, the way we love them is by first loving God. See, it's real hard to give what you don't have. Hmm? If we say we choose life, friends, friends, 
what we are saying is that God then gives us life. So my question to you would be, what do we do with that life? My answer for you is to give it away. You think about the Sermon on the Mount, the part that we read from Jesus' sermon today. If you think about all these examples, they all have to do with our relationships with each other. So deal about murdering and uh, forgiveness and adultery and divorce and uh, swearing and all that stuff. It's about our relationships with each other. Now we could look at each one of those, and certainly plenty of sermons have done that, and people use these particular passages for certain arguments about this or that, and there's place for that, and that's okay. But today, as a group, if we take all of these, we see that what Jesus is doing is making a point by taking some very common examples. And what Jesus is showing is that I am giving you something different. You have heard that it was said, but I tell you, right? Yeah, come on, mamas, you know how it goes, right? And little Johnny comes up to you and says, but so-and-so said it was okay. But I'm your mama, and what do I say? Not quite the same, but you have heard that it was said, but I am telling you something different. What is different about what Jesus is telling us now? We are to give life. We have received life from God. We then are to give it. Think about just using the examples that he gives. Murder. In a lot of ways, murder happens to take away life, doesn't it? By its very nature. Thinking about holding grudges against someone, that sucks life away out of our relationship. And if we think about adultery and divorce, how much life that takes out of a family, out of a relationship between husband and wife and children. And if we think about swearing against each other and all these kinds of things, unforgiveness, we see that all of these things take life away. And so often, friends, when we are honest, we realize that we take life away instead of giving. So think about this. The next time you have that urge to say the first thing that pops into our mind when somebody is talking to you, ask yourself, is that really going to give life to that person? Or what about when we join in the rant with someone else or we join in the belittling of someone else? Is that really giving life to someone? Or when we stroke the fire of gossip and dissension, are we adding life to anything at all? So often we take life away without realizing that the real way that we love our neighbors is by giving them life. We give what God gives to us. And that's probably part of what makes the the Amish grace story so powerful, right? You, You know the story of the Amish community whose lives changed when a gunman came into their small schoolhouse and began to shoot their children. And several of the children there uh, died. And how did the Amish community respond? Well, in a way that was indescribable by everybody else. Not only did they offer forgiveness to the gunman, 
but they also offered forgiveness and acceptance and I think life to the family of the gunman. And friends, I have to believe that the only way you can do that is if you've already received it yourself. So, so, so think about what God has done for you. Some of us have some wild stories, don't we? Ooh, I can tell you what God's done for me. Well, then the question has to be then, what are you doing to make sure somebody else can have that life as well? The examples that Jesus used, those are obviously not the only examples. We've received forgiveness. We've received grace. We have received help. We have received all kinds of things. And friends, because we have received life, our call is then to give life to others. The way we love our neighbors is by giving them the life that God has given to us. And friends, this day, I pray that you and I would choose life and then give it away. In Jesus' name, amen.